Hello, my name is John Schwartz, and we're back again today to hear some stories of wild animals and the people who love them in our podcast series, Tales of Transformation, The Magic Between Humans and Wild Animals. With me is our storyteller and tour guide, Dr. Susan Eyrick, the founder and director of Earthfire Institute Wildlife Sanctuary, located near the Grand Teton Mountains. Hi again, Susan. Uh, today you are going to share with us a story of a grizzly bear. Yes. We have the pleasure and delight of looking after four grizzly bears. And one of them is basically learning disabled or autistic or developmentally disabled, or as I prefer to say, specially abled, because he's a bear, and this is a grizzly, whom everyone falls in love with. So he was found, Ra found him at a roadside zoo that was closing down, and he was very young, just about maybe 10, 15 pounds, and it was clear that something was wrong with him. Couldn't quite put your finger on it then, but Jean brought him home, and we put him in our arms to feed, bottle feed him, and he would grab onto the nipple with, with the whites of his eyes showing in a panic, and he would just grab onto it and just burble for a long time, and it would take forever for him to get the contents of a bottle down. And he, only, he would lie there rigid almost like catatonic, and we don't know if he hit his head or what happened to him or if he'd fallen once. It took a very long time to begin to ease him. And his eyes were a little bit crossed, and he wasn't that well coordinated. We have some really sweet baby footage of him. So we did what we could to try to help him along whether he was developmentally disabled, physically disabled, when it wasn't really clear, just that something was odd. We took him to a playground and helped him go down a slide. We've got a little video of that too, the pride when he got to the bottom of that slide when he faced things because everything for him was scary. Mm -hmm. Everything seemed overwhelming. I gave him an egg once Bears love eggs. And he saw that thing and he leapt into the back of his enclosure and just stared at it in a panic for maybe 10 minutes. And then finally he got his courage up and he went out and he swatted it. And of course, the minute he swatted it, it broke. So that was something else and it scared him all over again. And he leapt back into the, into the corner. He's now maybe 10 years old, huge, still scared of eggs, still won't eat them. There were many things that were, were interesting about him, why I would say, how do you, people would ask, how do you know he's learning disabled? I don't know what the right word is to use. I know that when things got too much for him, he would go into a corner and start to bounce up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down to soothe himself. It was like how he managed to deal with stress. Um, we couldn't get him to get out of his enclosure when we tried to move him to a new larger one as he grew, it was too scary. But at the same time that John picked him up, he picked up a German Shepherd puppy, and the puppy grew faster than the bear, and his name was Boychuk. 
and Humble Bumble used him as his mentor, and Boychuk served as his guide. It was a really, really beautiful thing to watch. So the dog would sit there outside the door as we were trying to get him to go out, and it would just be too much for Humble Bumble. But he'd wait, and, and Boychuk would move a little further, and Humble Bumble would dare to move a little bit. And over a period of a long time, we got him to move with the, with the help of the dog from one enclosure to another. And the same thing, we have a wildlife garden we built where the animals can play, a large enclosure, a couple of acres with ponds and waterfalls and trees. And we tried to get Humble Bumble to go out there, but it was just too much. And among other things, there was a dip in order to get out there. And the impression we had was that it was almost like the world wobbled in front of him and it was just like the Grand Canyon. Mm. But Boy Chuck would patiently move a couple of feet and inch him along and move a couple of feet and we'd finally get him out into the garden. And then Jean, together with Boy Chuck, we had some boulders there. Would Jean would climb on the boulder and Boy Chuck would climb on the boulder to try to encourage him in his coordination and he would finally dare to do that. And you could just see the bear pride beaming out of him as he went from one boulder to another, and he, he managed it. Hmm. It was beautiful. And the same thing when we took him to a slide. Um, it, was, it was a teeny little child slide. But the pride when he got off, <laughs> off that slide, when he made it down and was okay. And we built a special pool for him where he could go swimming um, and he wouldn't go in. Now, bears love swimming. You couldn't get our other bears out of it. Mm-hmm. But he wouldn't do it. Day after day, we'd, we'd put him in with the pool and then after weeks maybe, maybe a couple of months, I heard this swat splash and he dared to swat the water, sort of like the egg. Mm-hmm. But that was all. Hmm. And it was a matter of months. One day, I heard this huge splash. And I knew it happened. And ran over to see what had happened. And by the time I got there, there was one very wet bear standing on the outside of a pool. And I couldn't tell for sure if he'd fallen in or had finally dared. Uh, that was answered pretty quickly because he started going in. <laughs> and he started going in a whole lot. And we got a big ball for him, and we got a log for him, and the splashing and the joy. But it took time and patience and belief in him and giving him the opportunity. He just needed a whole lot more time Mm. than a, quote, normal animal. Mm. But, you know, he just kept after it. It was like the the urge for life, exploration, etc., balanced against the terror and he just persisted, and he did it. And in my mind, that showed a whole lot of courage. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And there was another aspect of him, like in the in the winter, or in the fall, we'll give we have dens for the bears, and we would give them each um, large bales of hay, and they could go make their own dens. And the other three bears, actually, we also have black bears, and they all took the hay. Their eyes would get big, 
and they would take the hay and they would slowly start to rake it all into the den and they would pack it just so and it would be just so on the floor and just so on the side and then they'd get a log and they'd make a pillow and they'd cover that and there wouldn't be a single piece of hay left. You look at Humble Bear's enclosure, hay scattered everywhere. <laughs> He just couldn't get it together. Hmm. He couldn't get himself organized. Mm-hmm. Um, so those were some of the examples of how I would say whatever you want to call it, a specially abled or a differently abled bear. Mm-hmm. As you've been talking, I've been thinking about um, some parallels here to our last story of uh, Runs Like the Wind. It, it, the you know a disability runs like the wind being the three-legged deer um, and humble bumble having what would appear to be a, some sort of cognitive or developmental issues and um, and again for me it brings back a similar question about uh, how we as people tend to look at uh, at wild animals differently than we view ourselves uh, so that we pour a lot of resources into trying to create a positive life for other people with those kinds of disabilities. But we tell ourselves, and maybe there's more validity to this than I, than I know. I don't claim to be an expert, so I don't challenge the idea per se. But we tell ourselves that there's some kind of, that it's cruel to try to promote uh a life that has that kind of a disability or a different set of gifts, if you will. We tell ourselves that, you know, humble bumble may not fare well in, in quote, you know, the real world of, of, um, this natural environment. And yet I'm not so sure that that's necessarily true. And is, you know, that, uh, that there isn't, as I listen to his story and how, for everyone, yourself and everybody else who had a chance to watch him grow, uh, the whole essence of individuality comes out, that he's a, he's a clear and defined individual with his own individual needs and issues. I guess if I had a question, I'm not sure I do, uh, Susan, it would be, you know, is it, is it necessary, is what we tell ourselves about how we treat ourselves and, and you know, invest into helping other people with needs or uh, with with disabilities but that that somehow isn't an inherent aspect of other species in their natural environment and therefore there it's something quote cruel unquote to try to promote their their life and their longevity i would say the same thing i said last time who are we to judge about an other animal's passion to live mm-hmm. um, or make assumptions about their their pleasure in life um humble bumble takes immense pleasure in life he loves his strawberries he mm-hmm. loves his grapes mm-hmm. he loves his ball mm-hmm. but the most striking thing about him is he's sweet mm-hmm. there's a sweetness there He's the only bear who doesn't really hibernate. He can't, he's, he's, um, he doesn't really sleep soundly, I would say. Hmm. So that in winter, 
as we walk around, he'll come out. Hmm. Really? And he can't help himself. He comes out to greet and to visit. Hmm. He's a really social bear. He loves companionship. Hmm. He craves companionship. And when people come up to meet him, again, you know, it's behind bars, but he'll stick out his tongue and lick Mm. and greet. Mm. He wants to be with people. Mm -hmm. And there's a a sweetness that emanates from him that every single person who meets him feels. Mm -hmm. It's just there. Mm -hmm. And so in terms of your question or comment, he gets an immense pleasure out of life. It's just... He's got to overcome his fears. Mm. But then, if I hear wild splashing in the background, I know what it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a bear having a really good time. Um, it's just it takes longer and slower and more care and more patience. The thing that struck me most about Humble Bumble still strikes me because he's very much with us. Um, is there something wrong with his brain? I don't know what happened, if he fell on his head, if it was nutrition, but there's something, and I don't know even if the word wrong with his brain is right, but he's wired differently so that most of the, many of the biological urges for um, territoriality, survival, the things that make us fight with one another seem to be taken out of his brain somehow. Mm-hmm. And what's left is this sweetness that's palpable. You mm. can feel it. So I began to wonder, is that true of all of us? Mm. That if we could change the wiring that makes us our biological survival, that's necessary for biological survival, but that makes us fight and angry and jealous and territorial and all that stuff, mm-hmm. if that were somehow mitigated in some way, would there be this underlying sweetness in all of us? Is that, is that what's there in all of us if you take out the need for survival and the wiring that we have to have in order to survive physically? Mm. Because this is a grizzly bear with a damaged brain or a different brain, a grizzly bear mm-hmm. who's emanating the sweetness. Mm-hmm. Could it be true that it's true for all of us? Mm. So if we were able to... Uh, so, uh, so Humble Bumble... Sh- kind of shows what what uh at least in his case what his essence is without those uh for lack of a better way to phrase it survival impulses of competition and and uh you know i mean some of the things that you were talking about that that characterize uh, people and animals alike in in and towards survival and if if you're if those are are removed what's what's there and i get the sense that there are a lot of people who have those kinds of disabilities who show us that um and that you know that that they don't have they they're not they don't have the tools in the toolkit to do certain quote higher level functioning things in life and so i i guess i'm Wondering if similarly, um, this happens among species uh, in um, in in the in the animal world. Um, you know, are there those beings that have that, that that's the gift that they offer 
is is being able to observe the sweetness, this kind of purity of of innocence and sweetness for a lifetime that that many of the rest of us have a harder time getting to uh, or uh, exhibiting because of all the other survival tools we have to carry with us. And, and if that's true with some people, then of course, why couldn't it be true among members of different species? Mm. So I guess my question is, I suppose there's no way to know this. Perhaps there is, and I'm not aware of it. Again, I, I, and I, 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 if I keep siphoning back to this questioning about human thinking applied to humans as opposed to the rest of, of the animal world, um, again, a person might say, well, it's all well and good that Humble Bumble has you, but is there space for humble bumble to survive in a different environment in a wild environment and uh and in the end do we have to have those survival tools or can life be can can there be a humble bumble in any bear or wolf or deer uh tribe uh where the rest of the tribe looks out for that being you know i i <laughs> i'm meandering about i apologize but do you know where you know where I'm going with all of this? I mean, I wonder if again there's this connection to to because there there are certain periods in human history where a person with those disabilities would be kicked to the side of the road and it would be seen as weakness to foster their their life. And and we don't think as much of those people that way anymore. Um and I just wonder if if uh if if you know, if other tribes of animals have the same room to look after a humble bumble, the answer is I have no idea. Right. What I what I do know is that because we have him and care for him, he's able to share this gift. Mm-hmm. He couldn't survive in the wild. Mm-hmm. Right. A discoordinated. Right. Um, bear could just couldn't make it, and when he was little, other bears picked on him, mm. and it was really sad because he wanted so much to be part of the mm-hmm. part of the big boys and and play with them, and we couldn't let them be together. We saw after a while because they would take advantage of him. Yeah. So I don't know what would happen in the wild. Um, to me, it's a separate issue from whether or not we. Um, give animals every chance to live, mm-hmm. that we do, shouldn't right. apply a different standard. I only know that because we have Humble Bumble, I personally have learned, I believe I have learned, um, to question what's underneath all of us. When when we're kind with one another, humans, and allow each other, nurture each other, and allow each other to bloom, we bring out the best in each other. Mm-hmm. And... There is a gentleness and a sweetness in us when mm-hmm. we're, when those other qualities are tamped down by not feeling threatened. Mm-hmm. So for me, I don't know about any extension I can make from Humble Bumble to other animals. I can only say that he has a special gift of giving, showing us the possibility of what an what we might be um, with with kindness mm-hmm. or w- when the when the fear is taken away. 
it's just an interesting gift. Mm-hmm. And a and an opportunity, I guess, for the rest of us to learn um, or, or to make a choice as to how we want to act in the face of such vulnerability mm-hmm. and um, and to to find great appreciation for uh, for those other gifts that emerge as a result of all of that mm. vulnerability. That's, that's the sense I get. And it sounds like that's the kind of experience that people have when they uh, encounter Humble Bumble. Mm-hmm. And if we gave, if we gave, you know, if we allowed for that kind of space, uh, that kind of patience and, and, uh, and regard for, for, uh, you know, for animals and people alike who have those vulnerabilities, we get to see those gifts, but not if we don't, not if we don't carry that compassion with us. Yeah. We get to see those gifts. Yeah. The compassion and kindness is rewarded in a very unique way. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Susan, for the conversation and for the story that reminds us of the beauty of life. Thank you, John, for making it possible. You're welcome. And if you'd like more information, please go to earthfireinstitute.org. That's earthfireinstitute, one word, dot O-R-G.